open it with me to uh, Romans chapter 15, or excuse me, 16 here this morning. We're going to get into another chapter of names I cannot pronounce. I'll tell you that. <clears throat> I'm just making them up as I go along here. So if you if it doesn't sound like a name that you're used to, that's okay. It, it comes out different every time I say it. So I'll sit there and I do, I'll, I'll, I will copy it and I'll paste it. I'll do the pronounce, you know, names and I'm sitting there and I'm listening and today's word is, you know, what about that? B-O-B, B-O-B, B-O, stress B, B-O-B, just like, okay. And then I go, Fobby. Does anybody else do that? It's like, I don't know what happens in my brain, but I mean, I know what I want to say, but sometimes there's a disconnect. So that's where we're at in this. So um, we're going to be in Romans chapter 16. We're, we're going to look at verses 1 through 16 here this morning in our series called Made Right. And I should offer a prize for this and say, why did we name the series Made Right? Can anybody tell me? Why is it called Made Right? Anybody at all? Don't be shy. Amen. Lauren, Lauren, give Lauren a round of applause. It's so simple, huh? The gospel, we make it complex, but God made it simple. I can't make myself right. You can't make yourself right. You can receive forgiveness of your sin. You can receive salvation, amen, because of what Christ Jesus has done for you. And so if you're in Jesus today, you have been made right. And, and that's such a wonderful feeling and thought to know that truth. And uh, I titled this morning's message, We Treat You Like Family. Now, that could mean a lot of things to different people. I mean, you go, you go that's why I come here. So I won't be treated like family. That's how I came to know Jesus is because you didn't treat me like family. And I get that. You know, I do a lot of counseling. And so um, I understand that. But I, I kept thinking like, Lord, I go, but it's, we treat you like family. It's how it's supposed to be. Amen. And we'll look at that this morning. And I pray that it does encourage your heart. You know, as I look out and I see, you know, you guys today, I know, I mean, you love people, you love Jesus. And you know, and the best way to to let the world know that we love Jesus is to love one another, amen? And it's not because it's easy, you know? Um, and sometimes that's the best way that you 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 make the world know that you love Jesus. I mean, if it was just because we love lovable people, you go, then why did God love me? And why did he love you? And the Bible says that while we were still, what, sinners, Christ died for us. And it's, a, it's an amazing love. And so, um, and we talk about, you know, being family, um, what are we really saying? It's through thick and thin, right? It's through the good times. It's through the bad times of life. Um, and so, uh, again, I, I know for myself, I mean, you know, uh, you can go a lot of places. You don't have the opportunity to speak at other churches and have spoken real, basically around the world, missions trips and gone places. But uh, maybe I should have titled it this. There's no place like home. Amen. Uh, and God has just, he's blessed us with just a wonderful church family. And we thank the Lord for you. And so, um, you know, as I get into this, I think, you know, last week, uh, you know, I kind of gave you a little bit of an outline if you haven't been with us or, you know, you, you, you forgot, you know, just in the, in the way of redundancy. You know, if you break the book of Romans down, you know, to just basic parts, you know, I'm always reminded this is a, a very, very deep doctrinal, you know, book. I mean, there's just a lot of rich doctrine uh, that's attached to it. And those basically was, you know, chapters one, through 11, uh, dealt with those doctrinal issues. And then Paul, when he got to, you know, chapter 12 through the, really the first part of chapter 15, Paul just kind of laid out what practical Christianity looks like. You know, once you present yourselves to God as a living sacrifice, he kind of goes, this is what your life will look like. And, and really takes us through some practical steps there. And then as the book begins to, to come to a close, Paul, from the middle of 15 all the way through really the end of chapter 16, um, he makes it very personal, and, and he kind of just lays out some things that, that mean a lot to him. And, and one of the reasons it's important to study this, as I shared with you last week, was when you look at Paul's life, and, and most of us, you know, we admire Paul, and, and we, we think, you know, a lot of him with regard to, you know, uh, who he was in Christ and how the Lord used him is that we see him as someone that uh, we would want to emulate, that we'd want to look at his life. And we go, so 
Paul, you know, basically was a lot like us. He was a, he was a sinner, right? Who got saved. Jesus, you know, opened his eyes to the truth and filled him with his spirit. And, and it made a difference in Paul's life. It changed him from the inside out. And as we look at Paul's life, then we go, so, you know, it's always go, what was their secret? You know, what, what, what was the thing that, 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 that made him tick, you know? And I mean, we get what ticks off people, right? We, that's easy, you know, but it's like not what ticks them off, but what, what makes them tick? What, what really drove them? And, and there's an old expression that I want you to think of as we get into this this morning. It goes like this. It says, people will come to church for a lot of reasons, but they'll stay for only one. And that one thing is relationships. A lot of things will bring people to church, but they'll stay for only one. And that's relationships. And so what happens is like when you, you, you see in the life of a church, uh, when a church say a church goes through a split per se, usually what happens is what is that somebody leaves and then they take people with them. So you can kind of see it. It's happened in our church, you know, where if somebody leaves, it's like um, people who are the closest to them. And it makes no difference what the issue is. It's just if they're close to that person, if they go, well, if they're going, then what? I'm going too, you know, and, and, you know, as opposed to going, okay, where, what would the Lord have me do? And, and sometimes, like I said, it's situations where it's not even what's in your heart to do. And that's why we pray, Lord, not my will, but what, but thine be done. And sometimes it's in those, those difficult, you know, moments where the Lord really reveals himself most of all. And so when I look at, you know, the apostle Paul's life here, um, you know, you see that it's all about relationships. And I was, I was thinking of this and I reached out to a few of the leaders and I said, Hey, when you think about like people in your ministry, you know, who are the, the names that, you know, come to mind if I was going to craft, you know, uh, uh, my own book of Romans here, you know, this morning, you know, I could look out, I could probably name everybody that's in the sanctuary here, but this was kind of, you know, interesting. And I'd, I'd thrown a few in here myself. But I'd probably write something like this, and maybe you'll hear your name in, in here, maybe not. But if it if it's not, it's not because you're not valued, or you know, it, it's you know, when you think of something, then you put a name, and then this is what'll happen even today. Uh, people that I ask, and and they go, "Well, you didn't tell me that you were going to read it," and and then I'm going, "Well, I'm sorry." I go, you know, I I didn't want to go all through everything. I just because then you'd have sent me an encyclopedia, and I just wanted. You know, the thing, but it, that's how it happens, isn't it? I would have said so-and-so. And I'm like, well, just go to them yourself and say, I really messed up because I sent Pastor Mike. Because then you can take responsibility for the next church split and not me. Because people go, I'm leaving because why? Because Pastor Mike did not say my name. I mean, trust me, it doesn't take much, you know? Okay, so this is, this is kind of how, before... Before we get into this, I'd probably say it something like this. I commend you because that's what Paul starts with. And it's interesting. He lists a bunch of men, but he commends the women. That's how he begins. So, and we'll, we'll talk about that more as we get into it. But I would write it like this. I would say, I commend to you my wife, Lee, and our sisters, Nita, Kimberly, Vanessa, Carolyn, Flea, Kim, Emily, along with my fellow elders, Larry and Ron my co-laborers, uh, Jason and Mike and John, and many deacons and deaconesses. This is where then it would include all you. So I'm just going to start in the front row and say, okay, well, yeah, just no, but you go, yeah, I could say anybody, you know, that, and, but he does, he, he thinks of people and this is the beauty of it. When Paul's thinking about it, people come to church for a lot of reasons, but they stay for what? For relationships. And so you see Paul, if you want to go to something, you know, before we even get into this this morning, you go, what is the secret or the key to successful, to fruitful ministry? It's relationships. Not, you know, like in the world that they go, I want to be an influencer. Don't worry about being an, in that's, it can be so narcissistic. You know, how many people are you influencing? It's like, no, you know, you think about it. What, what do you really want to do? You know? I mean, you want to make a difference, you know, for Jesus, right? You want to point people to him. It's not that I want to influence anybody. I want people to get saved, <laughs> the bottom line. But I would go on like this. So my co-labors, like I said, Jason, Mike, John, many deacon, deaconesses, 
uh, Susan, you know, Debbie, Dora. So these are names, you know, that I can think of another and names people gave me as well. Connie and Cindy and Judy, uh, deacons, you know, Jeff and John and Joe, you know, Matthew, Mark, you know, not the gospels, but Matthew, Matthew, Mark, you know, uh, D, um, you know, Cosper, I'll say that because I keep saying Mike and Mike and Mike and you need to go, well, yeah, Pastor Mike mentioned himself a lot. <laughs> so I have to use everybody else's last name, Ackerson, Butler, you know, it's like, okay, um, Jeff, you know, John, Joe, like I said, Matthew, Mark, Cosper, Aaron, Anthony, Kevin, Shane, Ed, uh, Tom, um, Terry, David, Bill, another Mark, um, Ben, um, I think of, you know, worship leaders, you know, Isaac and Dylan and Carla and Scott, Bailey, Jack, Chris, at Emily, Zach, Rebecca, you know, Flea, Dominic, Emmanuel, Caleb, you know, morning, I, mean, I might be missing, you know, some there. Um, but, you know, the list could go on and on. I could name all the Sunday school teachers. I could name all the youth volunteers. I could name everybody who shows up for TWC, who shows up for an event, people that just come in and go, and, and, and this is what Paul's doing. He's just, this is not an exhaustive list. Okay. But what an amazing thing. Like I said, you know, if you've ever gone to, to summer camp, always loved it, you know, as a youth pastor, uh, you take a big camp picture and then the picture comes and, and you hand the, the picture to the kids and it's got, you know, 200 kids in there and you go, uh, who, who does everybody look for themselves? As soon as you give them the, the picture, they're not, they're not going, Oh, I went, they go, how did I look? You know, how it's. We, and so you go, yeah, we could read all this at Paul's writing. You go just blah, 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 blah. Like I said, until what? Until your name is listed in there. And all of a sudden, then it means something, right? You go, oh, you know, and, and it really does. And, and so th this is important from, like I said, we're looking at this from a spiritual perspective here this morning and, and thinking, you know, it's not just a bunch of names that are written on paper, but it's what is the message, you know, behind it? What is it that Paul is really wanting us because, and you think not just Paul, but the Holy Spirit himself, because he allowed this to be in scripture for you and I to read. It was just because one day you're going to hear me doing this in heaven. Hey, there's a whole bunch of people. Let me go down the list here because I have a picture in my mind what you look like. And I don't know if it adds up, you know what I mean? Because there, there's some that we'll even look at, you know, here. And uh, like I said, when I butcher it, you'll just, that's probably the twin of theirs. So, You'll look at it, but we'll look here at verses one through 16, and then we definitely will pray that I did not confuse you with the way that I pronounce these names. But he says, but I commend to you, and, and, and again, it's such a powerful word there, commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church of Centria. Uh, welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people and help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many and especially to me. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them, and they and are so all the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home and greet my uh, dear friend Epinatus. Uh, he was the first person from the province of Asia to become my follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. You know, realize there's probably five or six Marys that are that are listed in Scripture there. It says, greet, uh, uh, what do I say? I had this earlier. And Andronicus, okay, and Junia, my fellow Jews, who were in prison with me. They are highly respected amongst the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Greet uh, Amphilatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, uh, our co-worker in Christ and my dear friend. And look at the names that he's using. He says, commend my co-worker, my brother, my sister. Again, you can see these are, these are family uh, terms that he's using. Uh, my dear friend, uh, Stachis, uh, Greet uh, Apelles, a good man and who Christ approves, and give my greetings to the believers from the household of, um, uh, I've looked it up, but Arist Aristobulus. Uh, greet Herodian, my uh, fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. 
give my greetings to uh, Tryphenia and Tryphosa, the Lord's workers, and dear Persis, who has worked so hard uh, in the Lord. Now, I know this guy personally, Greek Rufus. Yeah, I know him. And the Lord picked out to be his very own. I love that. A guy named Rufus. And the Lord picked him. You know, it's like the name like Rufus. Are you guys sure? He picked him. I want you to know. He stresses that. And then he says, and also his dear mother, who's been a mother to me. Uh, give my greetings to uh, Syncretus. Yeah. And it said, because I remember this one, it said, stress the, the critus, critus. That's how it said. And uh, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers and the sisters who meet with them. I apologize to all of you in heaven. Uh, yeah. I, I added that. That wasn't in there. Uh, greetings uh, to uh, Philagus and, and Julia, uh, Nurius and his sister, and to Olympus and all the believers who meet with him. Greet each other, he says, with a sacred kiss. We're going to do that right now. I'm going to have you stand up, go and find two people that you want to kiss this morning. There you go. You go, hey, you didn't greet me with a kiss. Well, oh, sorry. <laughs> I love this. It's like you greet each other with a sacred kiss. All the churches of Christ send you their greetings. And so let's pray. Father, there is, it's, it's fun. Um, I do apologize for mispronouncing these names, but the most important thing, just like for us, Lord, even when people don't remember us, Lord, you do. And uh, you love us and you died for us and you rose again and you're preparing a place for us. And one day you're going to come back and you're going to take us home to be with you. And Lord, let that fill our hearts and our minds today, but help us to learn as well. There's things that we need to glean uh, from this truth today. Um, we think about, you know, even the title, we treat you like family. And uh, Lord, we do. We want to treat people like family. We want to love them as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. And you, that's that's the center of it all, that it's in you. And so we just pray that, God, you'd use this time today, that you'd grow us, uh, you'd teach us, you would encourage us, you'd exhort us. God, correct us in those areas where we need correction. Lord, unify our hearts. It was your prayer. Lord, for the church, that we might be one as you and the Father are one. And so, Lord, help us to, to get out of our own way. Um, and Lord, allow you to do the work that you desire to do. And Lord, I can't uh, just be amiss today if I didn't say that even as we're praying, uh, Lord, that I know uh, in a church this size, there's people that are, that are going through difficult things with people. Uh, Lord, estranged from family members and friends. And uh, Lord, first help us to receive our own forgiveness that we need. Because um, oftentimes we withhold forgiveness because, Lord, we feel like we're not going to be forgiven. That's how we are with other people. If we knew that if we apologized and everything was going to be fine, that, uh, Lord, we'd probably um, seek forgiveness. But, Lord, uh, we live in fear so much of the time that people will not accept us and they will reject us. And so we withhold it. And so first and foremost, may we know your forgiveness. And then secondly is, as your children, uh, Lord, it has been well said that, uh, Lord, we're most like you when we love other people and we're least like you when we don't forgive other people. And so, Lord, help us to live like you today and be like you and to forgive others today and that you would knit us together, Lord, in your love. That's really our, our heart's desire, that we be a church family, that, Lord, when we have the opportunity to be on campus, to be together, whether it's uh, house to house, wherever we might gather, that, Lord, it would be something we look forward to, not something that we dread. And so do that work in all of our hearts, Lord. And just thank you for your love. Thank you for what it provides, the power to, to heal and to strengthen relationships. And so we give them to you today as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, when you look at this uh, this morning, like I said, um, in verse one there, you know, Paul is obviously using family terms. You know, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the churches of Centuria. And you look down there in verse 17, he says, and now I make one more appeal. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, if you look there, even past what we were reading in, in verse 23, uh, he says, Cordus, uh, uh, a brother greets you. And, and again, those are, those are family terms, you know, that Paul is using brother, sister, but here's the key. What? In Christ Jesus. You know, have you ever heard that expression, blood is thicker than water? 
And it really speaks to the issue of, of relationships, right? Family relationships. Well, guess what binds us all together is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you go, you think of all the blood that, that could be shed that would unite people. You go, wow, there shouldn't be a stronger bond than the relationships that we enjoy in Christ Jesus. And I think that's one of the exciting things for the church, you know, to look at today. And so when you look at the, these terms, like I said, you look at verse two, it says, receive Phoebe, it says, in the Lord. And then verse three, it says, you know, speaking of Priscilla and her husband Aquila, it says, my co-laborers, where? In Jesus Christ. And then you look at verse seven, uh, you know, greet uh, Andronicus and, and Junia, it says, who became what? Followers of Christ, followers of Jesus. He says, even before Paul did himself. Um, then you look there in verse eight, uh, you know, it says, greet uh, Amphilatus, and he says, my dear friend in the Lord. And then in verse nine, you know, greet Urbanus, uh, says our co-worker, what? In Christ Jesus. So there's there's the focus is this relationship, you know, 11 times he says in Christ or in the Lord. And so as Paul goes through this list, I shared with you, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he, he names 26 people by name, and then two people are unnamed here in this chapter. And obviously, that wasn't the the total number of people there, but you think Paul hadn't even been to this church, right? That, that That's one of the things that's fascinating. He knows a lot, you know, this was before social media, right? I mean, you couldn't follow somebody on Facebook, you know, and, and, and troll them, you know, through social media. So you feel like, Hey, I know everything about them. Um, but he knew a lot, but it, so what does that, what does that tell us? What does scripture say? Where your treasure, what, where your treasure is, your heart be what? Also, yeah, and so there's no question, and it's, it's why it's important for us to read this today. We think about Paul's life, and Paul would say, you know, be an imitator of me as I am of Christ. And you look at the things that he did in his life, and you go, what were the things that that stood out? And you go, he cared about people, he loved people, he thought about people all the time. You know, think about praying without ceasing. It wasn't difficult for him to do that because there was always people on his mind. And like I said, you know, you think about that old saying, you know, people come to church for a lot of reasons, but they only stay for one and it's relationships. And so you think in, you know, in your own life, you know, relationships, it's all about relationships. You know, second Corinthians 519 puts it like this says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of what? Reconciliation. Yeah. That God is in the world, in Christ Jesus, first and foremost, reconciling the world to Christ. Now he's in the world where? In us, reconciling the world to Jesus Christ. It's a ministry of reconciliation. And so, like I said, we can learn a lot from Paul there. So when he says in verse one, you know, I commend you, our sister Phoebe, again, the first person, I mean, think about this. The first person that Paul lists of all the people is, is a woman here. And you realize, how long ago was this written? This is like 2,000 years ago, right? And, and look there, like in, in chapter 16, if you look at verses 9, you know, the, like I said, of the 26 people, 9 of the 26, they're, they're women's, they're women's names. And again, this was at a time in the world where women had no real value other than the value that was given to them by men. You know, you talk about, you know, a very chauvinistic, you know, time in, in the world. Uh, men were definitely misogynistic. Uh, the Apostle Paul, you know, you'll read articles that he was and you go, you, you, can't, you can't study his life and think that he was chauvinistic at all. There's nothing chauvinistic about him. It's the New Testament that actually elevated women to the place of equality where God saw their value. When you look at men and women, you know, there's difference in order and there is biblical order. He has, when he puts a man over a woman, that is purely for order. That is not a value statement. And unfortunately, people take that as, oh, he means that, you know, that they're valued. And you go, no, it's, it's not at all. I mean, it's been well said, you know, and it's a compliment, you know, when, when men serve, whether it's me serving in ministry or men, you know, they say behind it, a good man is what? A great woman. And it really is true. You look, you know, the people that make, the difference in your life, any, any value, any worth, any good, there's always somebody else that's there. You know, like I said, you build a home, what do you build it with? You have to frame it, you know, and, and you, you don't necessarily 
see the framing in a house, right? It's hidden, you know, inside the walls. But I'll tell you what, without the, you know, without the pillars, without the walls, the whole thing comes crashing down. So it's not, as, as Paul said, he goes, it's not the seen things that, that we magnify the most. It's the unseen things that, that ultimately receive the greatest glory. And so, again, it's just a great reminder as you look at this. And they're described, like I said, as, as co-laborers in the Lord. Uh, they, were, they were workers. They, they were the ones that were doing the work. Uh, I, I know, you know, in here in Romans 16, you know, it greets, like I said, and it's an important notation that twice as many women... Um, excuse me, twice as many men, you know, are mentioned, but twice as many women are commended. So there's something about that, you know, that he talks a lot about men, but he really is commending the women there that are making a difference in his life. And if you look at, if you've ever gone back and studied, you know, the Greco-Roman culture, I mean, it was a male dominant culture. The Jewish culture in the Old Testament was male dominant, um, you know, Women, Jewish women couldn't divorce their husbands, but Jewish men could divorce their wives. It definitely had a, a chauvinistic, you know, uh, tone at different times, you know, to it. it. Like I said, it wasn't until Jesus comes along that women were really elevated to a place where they were respected, they were admired, they were loved, they were appreciated. I mean, I think the Apostle Paul took it to a whole new level. If you've ever gone to a men's conference or a marriage conference, and he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, right? Most men don't stand up and go, you, because they go, because then they go into, they go, and how did Jesus show his love for the church? He died for her. The women are looking at their husbands, husbands are looking, is, is he saying that literally? You know, they go, yeah, this is the year you know, that my life insurance policy changed. It was like, I had term insurance, so I was definitely worth, more dead than I am alive. And now this year, the insurance company wants to flip it because they're going, oh, it's getting too risky. You're getting too close. You know, we, we want to win, you know? And so now you know, all bets are off in that regard. But, but my wife said, I'm still that little tour. Yeah. She sets the trash out. I take it out. Yeah. I knock off steps. That's what I do. I go, that's why I got her that watch. I go, honey, if I take the trash out, I go, you're going to lose 47 steps on your on your wires. Sometimes it works. Most of the time, not so much. But so, you know, you think about um, when you get to the New Testament, I think, you know, there's a lot of women here today and you look at that and you go, obviously Jesus did a pretty good job of helping women understand that they were valued, that they're important, that they matter, uh, that there's equality here, that they're not second-class citizens. You know. And so, I look at that and I'm thinking, you know, back in Luke chapter eight, verses one through three, you know, we read that there was a group of women that were always around Jesus, right? We're going to study that, you know, on Easter, that we'll read texts where, you know, who were the first person that came to the tomb and found it empty? It wasn't men, it was women, right? Uh, who, who was there at the cross when Jesus was being crucified? We know John was there, right? But we hear more, there was more women who were present when everybody else fled and was running away. In fear, the women stood stood their ground. So there, there's much, like I said, in Scripture. Um, you know, like I said, Luke chapter eight. Just you can go study that for yourself, but read there in verses one through three. Uh, it says, you know, there was women who who were there with Jesus, who traveled with him. We always see the twelve were with Jesus, says, but there were women too, and the women went with Jesus. And and most of these women served. We think of you know Mary called Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna. Um, again, they followed Jesus, like I said, and all the way to the cross. There was some. There was this beautiful consistency in their life, and and not only did they serve with him, it says, but they they supplied his needs. They also uh, helped financially. They worked. They were they were servants, and so um, very much to be you know commended. You just look back through history. Uh, you know, you think about you know uh, you know Jochebed. You know, there Moses. You know, uh, mom. You know. Here she is uh, placing her, her, her baby in a river in a basket, you know, ultimately who God would use to, to you know, free the, the Jews from, uh, you know, bondage in Egypt there, right? You think about a faithful mom serving in the sense you don't hear much about her other than that. But it, again, who could say launched Moses' career, I guess, you know, if you want to put it like that. But that was a pun. But, uh, but I think of, you know, Ruth. Um, 
you know, you don't really make the connection there until you put the the lineage together, right? When you put the genealogy together and you go, oh, she's the great-grandmother of King David, right? A Moabitess, you know, a faithful Gentile woman, you know, and then you think of um, obviously the most famous is the Virgin Mary, right? Uh, a, a teenage girl who's found, as scripture says, to have favor with God and has the, the blessing. It says she would be considered blessed amongst all women, that she was the, the mother of the Christ child, that she, you know, was the one that God chose to bring Jesus into this world. And so, you know, again, so much, you know, in scripture that elevates uh, the place and the role of women. And Paul does that here in something that's very personal for him. And I think it's, it's important to note that. Um, like I said, I think sometimes, you know, when we look at ministry, oftentimes, you know, we're, and we're seeing something just because, and we see it in our culture. You know, I, I actually had someone contact me a couple of weeks ago and wanted to know about what my stance was on women teachers uh, in the church. And, and should women have the ability to instruct men? And I said, you know, we, we believe what the Bible teaches. And so, you know, what does the scriptures teach on that? And Paul said, you know, that I don't permit that a woman would instruct men. And, and I told him, I said, but I go, there are like on Mother's Day, I said, we've done it, you know, periodically where we'll invite a woman to share. And I go, she's not exhorting her, you know, even if she did, it wouldn't be, there's nothing wrong with it. But um, for the most part, encouraging, uh, you know, moms, in raising their children and the things of the Lord. And I go, so it's a message that's geared towards moms. Is there men that are in the congregation? You go, absolutely. You go, can they learn something? You go, you'd hope so, you know, <clears throat> but you know, it's not the goal. It's not that we go, oh, we're trying to, you know, we're, we're sinning against God, you know, and that, and you go, were there in the church, were there women who planted churches and were leading churches? And you go, yes. Is there still women in the church today and around the world that, that are leading churches? And you go, yes. And you go, and in most of those cases, what you have is women are going, I'm here because there's no man. You go, if there was a man who would come into this remote part of the world, they go, I would gladly, you know, serve alongside him. And, and you go, but there is none. And you go, and I totally support that. I believe that that's of the Lord, that, you know, God's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But God's plan and purpose is in its, in its for structure. It's not value. I mean, he hasn't said this of a woman that God chose the foolish things of the world that confound the wisdom of the wise, right? He says that about men, right? So again, there's just a lot that we can we can glean from that. But it, it's just I think it's really important, you know, that as you look at this, you know, he sees, like I said in verse one, he lists, you know, helpers, and he names Phoebe, you know, as the first woman there, and then he says, you know, that she's a sister that describes. Her relationship to the apostle Paul spiritually. Second, he calls her a servant. This this describes her role in ministry. That she's one who serves. She's not just there sitting. Uh, we, we know the story of Mary and Martha, right? And she's serving. And and then third, she's called a helper. And uh, that talks about really what she does practically. And you think about you know what she's doing. She's serving. Paul and and she's helping and you go we just asked that if you have the gift of helps uh, we have a need within our children's ministry so we go hey we need buildings to get clean they go well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is and you go well there is a gift called helps that's all encompassing in that regard can you help well, I don't know how I'd be at running a vacuum I go I don't know either we'll find out can your arm go like this you know it's like they go yeah and they go can you pick up trash can you, you know, and you go hey I found out I was pretty good at that you know. And, and I, I think of that, you know, in, in our own, you know, home, my wife, she does like a lot of the, what we call just the, like, if somebody's going to come over or something, she'll get the vacuum out and just kind of real quick. But I do the deep cleaning. I'm the one that gets down on my hands and my knees. And it's not because she can't, it's just, that's the way we've chosen our family. I go, I just do, I, I like, I, sometimes you have to just scrub. So I'm just down there, I'm scrubbing on the thing and you know, having to fix things when you have your grandkids over and they don't respect the house, you know, like my wife does. They just ram things into stuff. You, yesterday after they left, we had uh, six of our eight. I'm going around with a paintbrush, you know. <laughs> That's whatever. And we love it. It's okay. But it's like, you know, but but there's different in, in roles there. And so to so understand that one's not more valuable than the other. They're just different and you have to come up with those. And so Paul, here he's laying this out 
know, she's a sister, she's a servant, she's a helper. And I love that when you think about the word, you know, in Acts chapter six is where it's first used the word deacon, right? Um, we get the word, you know, it's servant. So in some of our translations that are using the word deacon, it'll just say servant means the exact same thing. It's uh, deaconoi in the Greek language. And then uh, here Paul uses the word deaconos uh, or deaconess is someone in a sense, a, a feminine version of that. And it's somebody who serves in the church in a practical way. And so there is an office of a deacon or a deaconess. And it's people who serve the church in practical ways, people that help the church. And, and so, and, and God gives it a, a title there. And so, um, like I said, they were in the early church. Uh, they were dispatched by the apostles. They did all kinds of work. They, they ministered to the sick. They ministered to the poor. Uh, you think of someone like Mother Teresa, you know, who went around Calcutta, you know, India there and just ministered in orphanages. Uh, she was a helper to the church. She was one who did much. And Paul says that the, these women, especially Phoebe here, she's a helper, not just to many, she's a bit personally to himself. So he goes on in verse two, he says, so welcome her in the Lord, uh, one who's worthy of honor and among God's people, help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many and especially to me. And if you look at that word helpful there, probably the best translation you know, is patroness or, or benefactors. Um, and Paul's talking about that. I'm a benefactor, you know, of her. She's, she's definitely helped me. And so usually that was attached to someone who had financial well-being. They were, they were well off financially. And so, um, you know, whatever she did, she helped, you know, foot the bill there and, and made it possible. You know, I think of, you know, we have people in our church that, you know, financially, you know, are well off and, and they go, you know, I'm busy with my work. I can't necessarily go do that, but I can definitely provide the funds if you can help other people go do that. And you go, and that's what helps the church continue to move forward in its ministry there. And she was one of these kind of ladies here. Um, you know, like I said, she probably, when you read Proverbs 31, and you read Proverbs 31, oftentimes it gets a bad vibe that women think that a man wrote that, right? That wasn't written by a man. Let's just get that perfectly clear. This is a mom or a grandmother who's telling what? her son, right? This is what you should look for in a woman, right? That's always funny. If you ever hear stories about moms and, and their sons come home with a, with a woman to, to introduce that this could be my wife and the wife just, or the mom never likes them, right? Like a mom, I've just brought, brought home, you know, I mean, this is like the 30th girl I brought home and, you know, and their moms can be hard to please, right? I always like that joke where the kid keeps bringing home you know, the, the, the girls and, and the, the, you know, mom likes them and the, you know, and then they'd ask the dad, he's like, I don't like them. So the kid would never, you know, he'd never marry the girl. So finally they bring this, this, uh, you know, one home and, and the mom likes her. And, and, uh, so the, the son's thinking, great, you know, now, you know, if mom likes her, I'll be able to marry him. And so then goes to his dad, he says, what do you think? And he goes, no. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, she reminds me of your mother. And so it was like, you know, not, didn't go over too well. Let's just put it that way. But, you know, one of the things that, like I said, you look at this, the, uh, again, Paul here in his letter, you know, to the church at Rome, I mean, he's talking about people who, I mean, traveled, I mean, not just near, but very far. I mean, they, they didn't get on airplanes. It's not like being a missionary today, you know, where you go, Hey, I'm going to fly over here and go visit this person. I mean, you're on foot, you're on horseback. I mean, I think they would travel hundreds of miles, you know, to minister to the needs of people. And, it, and so it spoke volumes because people go, I can't believe, I mean, you know, you think about, we've had, you know, a, a memorial service in our family and talking with our next door neighbor who's having a memorial service for her husband tomorrow. And just talking about people that have come from so far away. And, and it's just the fact that they were willing to come that, that, that said everything. They go, wow. You stopped what you were doing. You dropped what you were doing. And you came all the way from there to here. I shared with you the, when I went to Africa, we had an audience with this tribe. And it wasn't because they cared so much about the message. It was when the guy showed him a map and he said that Mike came from here and he came on a plane all the way to here. And he was explaining it to the guy. And so he's, he's translating it back to me. He's like, he's going that you would come all the way from Bakersfield to here. That, then that message must be very, very, very important. And man, and they were just all ears. 
And I thought, wow, what an amazing thing that God does at times, just by virtue of the distance someone is willing to go, that that gives you audience because it communicates something of value and worth of the person that you are willing to go that far to bring them something. And these women, they were doing just that. And, and again, we know that a woman was carrying this letter. That's the beauty of this whole, this letter, Paul, of all the things you do, you know, and I get it. I'm a guy. Would you entrust you like the book of Romans to me to carry it? Go, no, he misplaced it like four times. You know, you go, I get, I get that. I'll admit that. You know, would I give it to my wife? Absolutely. I'd give it to my, tell me, people ask me, if you know this, if you know me, I go, Hey, I need to give this to you. Mm, give it to my wife. Do you really want me to have it? Yes, I do. But okay. If you want me to have it, then get it to my wife. Cause that will get it where it needs to go. But if you're giving it to me, there's a good chance it's like that family circle cartoon, right? It's like, where did I go? You know? And so I, I get that. So when I look at Paul's life, just to kind of run you through this, you know, this is obviously a, a lighter, you know, this isn't a doctrinal message here this morning, but it's one that I, I hope you take to your heart, but just real quickly, um, you know, I, 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 there's some things when I look at Paul's life and I just for myself and I go, Lord, what is it that I can look at in Paul's life that I can glean for myself? If I want to be more effective. And I think, you know, all of us, when we pray, we go, God, I want to be more effective, you know, than I am right now. What are some things that I can do? And, and one of the beautiful things is you study God's word that way. God will speak to you and he uses people in scripture. And so when you look at the first thing I look in Paul's life, I would say, if you really, you want your life to count in, in Christ Jesus, you want to minister to people is be number one is be hospitable. And it's where we get our English word. You think of it in scriptures where we get our English word hospital. You know, is that that your home, uh, your life, your relationships would be like a hospital uh, for other people. And we could get into all the, the Greek, uh, the word there. And in the Greek, it's P-H-I-L-I-N-E-X-I-A. So I'm not even going to try that one. You know, I'll wait till second service and I'll ask my because he's Greek. So he can, I will, I'll say and then I'll ask him, and then I'll tell you next week what he said. But, um, but it means to, to have a love for strangers, okay? And you think about our world today, isn't it getting to the point where we don't love strangers any longer, right? We don't want to be hospital. If I don't know you, it's like, I mean, look at the home. My parents grew up in, in Indiana. Indiana, you didn't have fences. Your front door, like I said, the only people that came to your front door were salespeople, right? Because your friends all went to the back door, right? And it was never locked. You just, you just walk right in, right? That, that's what people do. My wife and I found that when we moved into Kern City because we live in a retirement community, right? We're working on our house. We got people just walking in and they're just going to go, hey, hey, can we help you? What's your name? Oh, you know, I just live down the street. I just want to come see what you're doing. Well, great. You know, let me put some clothes on. <laughs> I mean, we're all family. <laughs> I mean, they, they took that to a whole new level, but I, but I get that. But what happens when you live in fear, right? When you live in fear, what do you do? I mean, have you noticed, I mean, then a lot of us have done this and I, I get this, it's the world we live in. I mean, but now we got not just doors, man, we've got security doors, we got fences, we've got, you know, I mean, all kinds of stuff. I mean, some have electronics in your yard. It's awesome. They come in your, you know, and just like, ha, 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 get off my property. You know, and it's like, you go, wow, has it come to that? And you go, yes, it has, but be hospitable, be welcoming, you know, to people, you know, love people, love strangers. He's in verse three, he says, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in ministry, in the ministry of Christ Jesus. And, and so what is he doing? Is this how we started? You know, give honor where honors do. Don't just be hospitable, but honor people. You know, remember, you know, what people have done. You know, Paul, Paul's doing it. Again, he hasn't even been to Rome. That's what I love about this. He's writing a letter. You'd think that he's been there, that he planted the church there, and he's talking about everybody. He hasn't even been there. It's just what he's hearing from other people. And, and he's commending the people. He's honoring them for that. And so you look at that, um, like I said, and he goes on for, you know, a number of verses here. And he just, he's greet this person, greet this person, greet this person, greet this person, greet this person. He's honoring, you know, person after another. Um, like I said, I'm not going to walk through all, all the people again. You know, we just, we just read those. But if you go down to like um, verse 21, um, you know, he, he's talking about like a whole nother list of people, you know, um, he says, Timothy, you know, he's talking about, you know, uh, Timothy, his fellow worker. And, and again, 
he's listing people that, and what I think is amazing about this is he's, he's, he's listing for us people who are very well known. Uh, you could say are very successful, maybe prominent people. Um, you know, somebody who obviously serves, you know, in government there, um, you know, Erastus there was the treasurer, he says of the city and, you know, and, uh, Cordus, he says a brother of grace. Um, so who's he, who's he listing? He, he's listing people there who are prominent and he's listing people who have no position at all. It reminds me, you know, something that Billy Graham, you know, was well known of saying, I, I use the phrase all the time, but it's where it came from, is that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. Amen. That God's not a respecter of persons. And then Paul's bringing that out here because sometimes, you know, as James warns us, I mean, we'll give honor to people who, what, you know, are prominent. Oh, you know, someone comes in, they're famous, right? I remember listening to Francis Chan years ago, and he had a bunch of Hollywood, you know, actors and actresses and, and artists, musicians that would come to his church. And he said, and, it, and it's one of the things that led him to resign from being a pastor. And he just said, I'm just going to go train, you know, people to serve. He said, because everybody wanted to get their picture with them, you know, at church. He goes, they couldn't even come to church if you were a person of notoriety. He says, because everybody goes, they're on social media. Hey man, did you see so-and-so was at church today? They were there. I got my picture with them and stuff. And he goes, what I start finding is that people were coming to church to see who they could be connected with, right? And, and you go, is that Paul's heart at all? And you go, not at all. He's like, God's not a respecter of persons, nor should we. He goes, man, it doesn't matter if they're the you know, mayor of the city or if the guy that drives a trash truck. You know, is that you go, what are we going to do? You know, we're going we're gonna to be hospitable to people, especially strangers. And we're going to give honor where honors due, and that's you know sometimes where the greatest honor needs to be given are the people that are behind the scenes, not the people that are necessarily out in front. But you know there is a responsibility that we all bear. Proverbs eighteen twenty four says, "A man who has friends must what first show himself friendly." You know it all starts with you know having a desire in your own heart. So, you know that I love that expression. It says, "I went to church looking for a friend, and I made none." I went to church to be a friend and I made many. And sometimes you know, the unfortunate thing is we get in our own way there that we go, nobody reached out to me. Nobody did this for me, 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 me. It's a victimization world we live in today. And you go, of course. I go, man, you had a, you're a no face. I always tell my wife, I always, you know, that's why I love when my wife's in service. I go, honey, I need you to be in church. Why? Because you're my yes face. Because I can look out, Susan Craig is a yes face, you know? And, you know, I think, you know, I sit there and I go, I look out and, and I'll find, you know, especially if it's a hard message, you know, Gilda, when she's here, she's a yes face. That's why I was like, I'd pay her to sit in the front. She wants to sit in the back. I blow Gilda. I need you in the front. I need you in the front. You know, Mark and D they're, they're yes faces, you know, I mean, it's just, but it's that thing of you go, you, 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 those are going to be the, the things and people that you're going to, you're going to resonate with because it, especially when it's something that's difficult is that they get it, they understand and it's like, you go, okay. And, and again, as we look at Paul's life, you go, he was definitely, you know, people will tell you what he looked like. He was definitely a yes face. He was one of those, he connected and he connected on, on so many different levels. Like I said, um, and, and I love this night. I, I remember I was reading this, this last week and I put it in bold print. It says you can operate on two different levels. You know, you think about there's two basic groups in life. There's givers and there's takers, right? And there's nothing wrong with either one of them. You know, I'm my nature. I mean, most people that know me would say I'm a giver. Okay. And, and I like to give and I like to, I could, if there's things that I can do to help people, that's I think why I'm in the ministry. I, I love to be able to help people. Um, and so when I look at this, you know, um, I put this in my notes. So you, you can operate on two different levels. You can operate on the basis of need. I need this and people better give this to me. I hope somebody is there to do this for me. Or you can be the kind of person who operates on the basis of supply. That's a friendly person. You give, you minister, and you share. And, and again, they're both needed. If there wasn't takers, what would the givers do, right? You're just a taker. And people would say, Mike, you shouldn't have, they're just a taker. And I go, well, if they weren't a taker. I'd have nobody to give to. You know, I, I, just, I always just crack up. You know, years ago, we had our bounce houses before they got stolen. And, um, and somebody came to me and they said, Pastor Mike, can I borrow a bounce house for a birthday party this Saturday? I go, sure. I go, we even have the trailer. You can throw it in the trailer. You just need a truck or something and take it. And they go, great. And they did. And the next week, somebody who was at the party who went to the church, they came, 
and they were all mad. And, and I said, Hey, what's up? And they're like, oh, I'm so mad at you. And I said, okay, well, why? And, and they said, because I went to this party and, and you let the so-and-so use the bounce house and you didn't let me use the bounce house. And I go, you know, I, I go, I really don't remember. I said, um, did you ask to use the bounce house? They go, no, I didn't. But that's not the important thing. And I was like, well, seriously, I was like, okay, well, have you ever heard of James? Says, you have not because what? You asked not? I go, what am I, a mind reader? And, and I, was, I mean, it's serious. And they were mad. And I go, wait a second. I go, how would I even know? And they go, well, uh, you know, and it was like, but they literally, they were, they were mad at me, you know, and I was just like going, okay. And then someone said, you shouldn't help them. And I'm like, listen, if there weren't takers, there'd be no need for givers. So again, if you're a giver, you, you can't get frustrated with the takers because they're why there's ministry, right? It's like sinners. I don't, I'm not going to do anything. They're sinners. Well, that's why we have ministry, you know? I mean, I, I have to, again, I have to have this conversation with myself all the time because certain people after a while, they can bug me because they'll just, they'll just keep wanting the same thing and they, you know, and they're just constantly taking and taking and the Lord's going, Hey, you know, you don't like it. And I go, no, Lord, I don't like it. And he's like, Hmm. Hmm. And he doesn't even answer. Have you ever got a hmm from God? That's like, you know. It it fills your mind for weeks, right? I'm like going, God just hmm, ooh, that wasn't good. It's like that meme where the meme where it says uh, the the wife doesn't. She goes, uh, the husband text okay, and the wife goes, I don't like the tone of that. It's like that's how it is with God. He knows, right? So so I get that. But again, what does Philippians two three and four says? Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take in the interests of others too. And so, you know, I look at that and I think, you know, greet Priscilla and Aquila there, you know, and, and he names the wife first over the husband. You go, why? Probably she was the one who was the one who he connected with more, you know, in ministry. It wasn't that he didn't value her husband. He did. But he says in verse five, he says, also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. And so, Again, it was probably because of that fact. She had the gift of hospitality. She was open in their home. For the first 200 years, remember, the church didn't have a church. The church met in homes. For 200 years, it met in homes or it met in the catacombs there in Rome uh, when there was tremendous persecution. And so people that were willing to show hospitality and give honor to other people, man, I'll tell you what, it made a tremendous difference in the church. And Paul definitely recognized that and he understood it. Um, you know, verses six through nine goes on. It says, and give my greetings to Mary, who's worked so hard for your benefit. And it goes on, like I said, just listing, you know, more and more people. Um, and again, people from all different walks of life. Like I said, it, it's so important, you know, that we, that we see that and that we don't, you know, miss that as you read through uh, these verses here. And so um, I won't go into the history of it. There's so much we could go into detail with regards to who these people might've been or who they were their connection to, you know, Herod, Anipus, uh, um, you know, workers within the city. Uh, Urbanus, like I said, was probably just a common name for a slave, you know, back then. And so people from all different walks of life, and I love that because it just demonstrates to us, you know, you guys, is that the gospel is for who? It's for everybody, yeah. Is that we just don't, we don't, nobody's on the outside. Everybody can be on the inside. Again, as Peter writes, you know, he's not willing that any would perish but that all would come to repentance. And then he ends with this, you know, so if there's, if there's something that I, that I see in the apostle Paul's life, like I said, that he's, he was definitely hospitable. You can't miss that. Right. And he was definitely honoring. And then the last thing is just there in verse 16, he says, greet each other with a sacred kiss. He says, all the churches of Christ send their greetings, you know, be affectionate would be the third thing. And the reason I, and I want to stress this, and, and I know that it's in an age where we don't stress this, um, you know, why would, why would being affectionate be so important for those that want to be effective in ministry? Being affectionate. And I just want you to think about that, you know, for a second. And I tell you that the reason to be affectionate uh, in the body of Christ is because we have many people come to this church and who come to church because they have no family or they've been rejected by their family. 
and they come and, you know, and I can think of, you know, one person in particular, you know, in recent, you know, years, and most of you, you know, know, you know, that person, um, and it, as awkward as it can be. And I, I remember, you know, probably a couple of years ago, um, in us, you know, ministering to him, um, it was a situation where I just remember people were, you know, coming in and, and at the end of a service, they were hugging each other. And I was watching this person, you know, from, from a distance and, and they just, you could tell they just felt dejected and no one, you know, people acknowledged them, you know, said, you know, hi, and, you know, greeted each other with a, you know, a happy hello, you know, uh, a high five, or, you know, we did that during COVID, right. You know, it's just kind of like, but don't touch just, but, but I asked him and, um, you know, I said, Hey, I said, do you, do you need a hug? And I just remember the very first time it was so vivid. I mean, it was just tears. I mean, and not a real emotional person just welling up in their eyes and saying, yeah, you know, I need, I, I need a hug, but nobody, nobody hugs me. And so we talked about that. I just remember how the Lord really used that, you know, in my life, because, um, at that point when they came in, their hygiene probably wasn't the greatest and, and everything else. But then you, know, you think of, you know, what was Jesus accused of? He, he hung around with publicans and tax collectors and sinners, people that, you know, when he's in the home of Simon, right? And Simon's going to, Jesus knew who that woman at his feet was, who was anointing his feet with her hair. He goes, he'd tell her, get away from me. And I think of all the things, that's just one little verse, you know, greet each other with a holy kiss. Um, obviously that was custom, you know, in that culture. Today we shake hands, uh, which probably is, is not the healthiest thing. We've found more germs or, have you ever noticed your doctor your, doesn't shake hands with you? You know, most doctors don't shake hands. They'll go, hey, you know, they go, why? They go, because of germ contact. They might give you a kiss, you know, on the cheek. Yeah, because there's less, there's less chance because their face isn't, you know, they're not going to kiss you on the lips, but they'll, they'll kiss you on the cheek because they're going, you know, less chance of that. But to be affectionate. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, again, you might go, oh, this is not very deep. I think it is if you really take it to heart that when you, you want to be effective in ministry, I know I do, is open your heart, open your home, open your life, be hospitable to people. Understand that word in the English language is hospital. People need a hospital, right? Jesus didn't, he said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners, you know, people that are sick don't need a doctor, but people who are sick do. And he's the great physician, right? And then to honor people, give honor where honors do, you know? Uh, when you see somebody do something, tell them, you know, write them, text them, email them. And, and some of you are so, so great at that. And, 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 and God's blessing your life. You can, today is an aha moment for you. Go, no wonder, you know, it's just a great reminder. And then thirdly is, you know, is ask God to help you to be more affectionate in, in your life. Be open to showing affection, you know, scripture, you know, there's adamant scripture to support that. It's not like it's just one burst didn't mean that you have to go give somebody a kiss today, but I'll tell you, there, there is something about affection, you know, a hug, an embrace, looking somebody in the eye and saying, you know, Hey, I love you. And I care about you. And that's one of the great things that we have that the world can't in the true sense offer is, is love without a hook. Right. Because Jesus said, even sinners will love or give to sinners because they get something back in return. But when you just go, you know what? They deserve love because they're human. They were created in the image of God. Whether they're walking with God or not today isn't the issue. They belong to him. And, and our job is to what? Is to love them into the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you for this church. And uh, Lord, I thank you for just the, the way as I look at this chapter and be so easy to write about this church and the way that Paul had the same affection towards the church at Rome so many here, Lord, just truly do, um, are very hospitable, open their hearts, they open their homes. Uh, Lord, they're very honoring and ministering and reaching out to people and definitely affectionate, just showing brotherly, sisterly love. And I just thank you for that, that kind of a church because it's effective. It's not the, the size of the church that, that matters, Lord. It's, it's, it's how Christ is, is reflected in, in the way that, Lord, we, we live our lives and love one another. And so I, th I thank you so much for these that are here, those of you watching online today. I pray that you would bless our week, Lord, that you'd go before us. Give us opportunity, Lord, to expand your kingdom 
to lead us to the people who are on the outside looking in, and then those who are on the inside, but maybe they're they're shut in, maybe they're they're sick, maybe they've uh, Lord fallen or walked away, and that God we would think of those people this week, and that we'd reach out to Easter. Uh, we do agree, Easter changes everything. It's a great opportunity for us, and so Lord, help us to live uh, for you this week, Lord. Help us to live effectively, growing in your love for us. And, and we just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for the way that you, you do love us, Lord. We are so blessed and we bless you this day as we pray in Jesus. Amen.